Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now here are your anime addicts Guess who's back? Mitz is back from the grave. You guys just tried to kill me, but you just can't keep a man down. Oh my goodness. We, oh my God. We failed once again Here in our pursuits. For episode <laughs> 200, Ni Hyaku Kuju Ku Ban no Hobby Addicto. Yokoso de gozaimasu. I am your host, Mitsugi, yes. today, and I am joined by Mason. That's me. That's me. Oh, 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 oh I'm, I'm the first one. That, uh, um, uh, hello, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> and then with the Tomoshimasas, we have the Caroline. Tomoshimasa, what? are you Caroline? What does Tomoshimasa mean? My, I am. Just introducing yourself. Oh. It's essentially, hello. it's like the polite way of saying, like, I am called such and such. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? I'm uh, pretty good. I'm doing quite well. I have a coffee that I realized that I didn't. I gave all my milk. See, relationships are about giving. And uh, pancake, no. I said, pancake, would you like an iced coffee? And she said, yes, I would. And I said, okay. So I, I got the cups out. I, I put the ice in it. I put the the uh, cookie dough syrup in it. I poured the iced coffee into the into the mason jar. And I went over and I gave pancake every last drop of the milk. And then Mitz is like, oh, shit, I had hot coffee in the carafe. Now what am I going to do? I have no milk. So I, I, I went for the, for, the, for the caramel syrup. I gave myself a bit of that. And then I was like, what do I do? Straight up chocolate tequila liqueur out of the fridge. I forgot I had that. So I'm, I'm having coffee with, with, with tequila liqueur and pancakes. So you're having black coffee with tequila liqueur. Yes, but it's creamy because the coffee liqueur is a little creamy, but... Like oh, okay. Pancake's lording over me now, like she wants to say something. Was she what jealous about the? That was an oh fuck, I fucked up moment, and then you you were like, well, I'll just get boozy on a Sunday, so don't yeah. blame it on me. That's really what. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. She should just put the coffee liqueur into her own iced coffee. Yeah, I, then I she agree. won't be jealous. Anyway, guys, on Hobby Addicts today, I completed all of the Resident Evil 3 remake since the last time you heard me, so I will be talking about that. Also, Mason is going to be discussing The Book Thief. It could be a book. It could be a movie. It could be neither. I don't know. We're going to find out. He could be The Book Thief. It's pretty I exciting. He could be stealing, stealing books, books all around the yeah. country. Oh, shit, it could be Mason. It could be The Book Thief. I could be The Book Thief. And Caroline, J.R. Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius documentary which should be pretty interesting. So. Oh yeah. This is this is going to be a good one. But I'm going to start today because one, you guys killed me or off last week and I'm back and I want to make you pay for it. And two, How do you feel after that experience? Well, I feel like uh, you know, Uma Thurman after she punches her way through the through the, you know, through the coffin and kill Bill too. There you go. You know what I mean? And, and you just How would you rate this down. death over the other deaths that we have subjected you to? It was pretty good. I did have a chuckle. When I heard you <laughs> off me, you know, I had a chuckle, and then, but I'm back. Anyway, but I have to... Uh, very fitting that you played a zombie game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will have to um, uh, get... I, I also may have to jump out of here while you guys are talking to help introduce another dog to our kitten, who's getting very big, but I'm not sure when that'll happen. But So the Resident Evil 3 remake, it came out in uh, 2000... 
and 20, believe it or not, in April. So it's almost two years old. doesn't seem like it's been that long, though, honestly. I feel like the last two years just kind of vanished because of COVID. Um, and this game got a lot of shit right off the bat when it came out. Um, because they cut some content from the original Resident Evil uh, 3 from on PlayStation 2. And also, if you go to How Long to Beat, which is a website that's great, tells you how long video games are, so you don't have to worry about getting yourself you know, into something that's too big. The, the main story of Resident Evil 3's remake is only six hours. So it's a pretty short game. But you can get it online for a whopping like 18 bucks maybe on sale now. And the game actually did pretty well. I'm looking at it here and it's, it sold what is to me a surprising 4.6 million copies on PlayStation. That's a pretty high number. So um, that's bigger than most games. So Resident Evil pretty much just sells gangbusters no matter what. I think it's really a really a hot franchise right now. They've put out a lot of stuff lately that's been good. And um, <clears throat> the Resident Evil 3 remake was was better than I expected, honestly. Um, I, I love Resident Evil. I have played all every Resident Evil game except the newest one, The Village, and I have that downstairs. Um, so I've been playing Resident Evil since I was probably seven or eight years old. So that was the first PlayStation game I ever owned was Resident Evil 1. And... Um, this game is uh, very much the same sort of gameplay as Resident Evil 2's remake, which if you played 2, uh, you'll know that it was quite good. Have either of you, have, are either of you well-versed at all in Resident Evil, and have you played the second uh, the remake of the second game? I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> I am well-versed in watching lots and lots of YouTube videos, as well as like no Caldwell Gervais' like seven-hour video reviewing every single Resident Evil. Yeah. That said, I am a baby, and I'm afraid to play these games, so I have never played a single Resident Evil. Well, I actually think this game would be potentially good for you, uh, Mason, because Resident Evil 2 is a l- is pretty scary. Like, this, the sound effects with headphones on are pretty intense in the police station, which, in my opinion, is, one of the, is probably the best setting that they've had in Resident Evil's mm-hmm. sort of history. The police station is unmatched, and they recreated it in an unbelievable way. It's dark, it's dripping with like water, there's flooded, there's blood everywhere. It's really, really scary. Resident Evil 3 is more of an action title. So uh, it has the same gameplay style. It's third person over the shoulder. It plays just like the second game. Uh, it looks phenomenal. The graphics are really quite quite awesome for PS4, right? And, um, you know, and you could probably pick it up for somewhere between fifteen and twenty-five dollars. Get a, get about eight hours out of it, which is how long it took me to beat it. Um, have yourself a nice little third-person shooting action romp, and not have to be too scared because it really isn't a very scary game. It really is primarily action. So th- there were. So not- then that leads me to my second thing. I guess I did yep. play. I, in retrospect, I did play two hours of Resident Evil Four. But On the GameCube? thing is, uh, yes. Okay, so yeah, that's, it was so, on GameCube. So a lot of people think that's the best Resident Evil game that ever came out, and that's why that was the one I started with. And I think the clunky controls and just—I'm not into shooting games. Mm, like okay. I don't like I will play a scary game if, like for example, Bloodborne is frightening in some ways. Obviously, not a pure horror like yeah. Resident Evil leans towards, but it is satisfying in the combat and the world and the lore. Where I'm like, I'm okay with being scared because the payoff is worth it. I just, I'm not good and or into shooting games. So the whole like survival mechanism management. I know, like you said, this is more action than the survival horror of its predecessors and what 
would go on to come out of the series, but I, I'm scared. Yeah, I mean, the survival horror elements of this game really are confined to a resource management, which is a big part of Resident Evil. Limited inventory space, limited bullets. You can't just fire your bullets carelessly. You will run out and you will die. Like, and that's the end, pretty much. So, you know, if I'm fighting a, if I go to, if I fight a zombie and I'm right next to a save room and I'm, and I'm, he's like staggering around and I shoot at his head four or five times. If I miss him three times, I'm, I, I may let him kill me because I don't want to waste the three bullets. Honestly, that's, you know, you know, if you're playing on hard mode, which I wasn't, um, that's kind of how it is. But, but this game starts off right after Resident Evil 2. So the, so the T-virus outbreak has spread to the, to Raccoon City from the mountains where the, where the mansion is from the first game. And this is all kind of like backstory. And, and uh, oh, someone has arrived at my house. And, um, yeah, interesting. You're listening to live-action yeah. pupper audio. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> and, um, is this the puppy bowl? Yeah, puppy bowl. And, oh, um, are we missing that right now? So No, not yet. <laughs> so, and um, Jill Valentine is a member of the STARS unit, of the STARS police special forces that goes to investigate the mansion. Most of the STARS team gets wiped out, except for her, Jill and her brother, Chris Redfield. And in the second game, they cut to another area nearby where the outbreak has also spread, where you play as um, Claire Redfield and Leon Kennedy, who are, who Leon is like a fucking top tier fucking game character. He's awesome. Um, well, in this game, you are basically playing as Jill again, where Jill has been sort of confined to the local town area um, near the mansion, and she's being watched by like, the umbrella corporations like um, spies or whatever because she knows what's going on and with the virus and they don't want the truth to get out. Well, the virus outbreak has spreads to the city and quickly overwhelms the city. And by the time you take over the game, the city's in flames. Most people are dead. They're all zombies walking around. Uh, police cars are flipped over. It's just chaos, right? Um, and there's a new bioweapon called Nemesis, which is the pretty much the stamp of this game, who is a giant, more or less unkillable monster who uh, just is basically been programmed to kill Jill. That's, that's the only mission of it, and I think the reason for that is because they're trying to silence Jill. And so this nemesis, who is like, an, uh, like a 10-foot-tall just Hulk, you know, he's like the Hulk, basically. You know, you, you'll be playing the game, and randomly he'll just fucking bust through a wall, you know, and then, like, you know, a cut a, 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 a set-piece action scene will start where you have to you know, where you're sliding, you know, and grabbing onto things and whatever. But, like, he he will pursue you the whole game, and you really can't do anything except run from him. Um, but, you know, so if you don't like being chased around, you know, from time to time, that, that might not be for you. But, like, ultimately, this game was pretty good. Um, you know, it moves from the town. It goes through subways. It goes through hospitals. It goes through labs. Almost every Resident Evil game ends in a lab. You know, it's almost always about, like, a vaccine or trying to synthesize all the virus or something. Um, but it was really better, much better than I think it, it got credit for online. I mean, it got a lot of hate and, you know, I'm actually considering replaying the game on hard mode because one, it's really short. I'm just kind of killing time until horizon comes out, which is like this, this coming week. And, um, you know, you had to beat the game in like three hours or something or two hours with only saving like five times on hard mode. And if you do that, you'll get the S-class ranking and a bunch of trophies and all this shit. So 
you know. And we love our trophies here. We love them I so love much. Them. Oh, we just eat them up. Nim, 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 nim. <laughs> I only got like 40% of the trophies by beating the game, and I'm frustrated by that because I don't want to have a 40% of my thing. But, you know, it's just the Resident Evil trophies are a little ridiculous. They usually require you to play through the game five, six, seven times, um, and it's just not really worth it, generally speaking. But I did consider playing the game again um, because when you beat it, they do give you, like, points that you can spend on things. You can get, like, a new outfit for Jill, and Jill looks mad hot in this game. She It's the hottest incarnation of Jill that they've ever had. She is smoke show level. Um, you can get her a new outfit. You can buy you, you can buy weapons that normally are, don't appear in the game, like special weapons. There's, like, um, power-ups, like, more attack power, more defense. You know, you can get, like a, like, a combat knife that has, like, a motor on it, and, like, it heats up so you can, like, cut through things easily. There's all sorts of things that make the, the, the second playthrough interesting, but the bottom line is, if you like Resident Evil, if you didn't get Resident Evil 3 because people talk some shit, I think the price is right now. I think that, honestly, um, 20 bucks for a game that'll, that took me eight hours is, a, is, a, is an okay price, and it's, um, it looks and plays, it's very polished. I mean, it looks, it looks quite excellent. So if you enjoy the Resident Evil 2 remake, there's almost no chance at all that you won't enjoy the Resident Evil 3 remake quite a lot as well. It's not as good, but if the Resident Evil 2 remake was a 9 out of 10, which it probably was, the Resident mm-hmm. Evil 3 remake is an 8 out of 10. It's pretty good That's stuff. That's still really good. And yeah. if you're a baby like me and don't want to play it, I recommend a thorough look at Resident Evil. It's seven and a half hours long. It's on YouTube, and it's pretty good. You can jump to whatever game you want and learn why it's bad or good or not what it is. Resident Evil also doesn't offer much lore. Like, I know you kind of like the lore of the games, and you'll read into things, Mason, and want to get that out of it. And, um, you know, God help you, we even do that on our hentai episodes. There's not a lot of backstory in Resident Evil. I mean, it's a very simple sort of evil corporation, virus, cover-up, military, bioweapon type of story. But there's not much, there's not a lot of, there's not hours and hours of lore to read through. So. Yeah, it's it's a shooty fun bang bang game. Yeah, There's some much. like recurring characters and elements from start or from game to game, but it's you can pick any one of them up and play them by themselves. That said, and this is where I'll end from my talk on this, um, Resident Evil 4 remake is going to come out. I expect it to have the same gameplay style as these past two games. I expect it to be the best. I expect it to be better. Oh man, it'll be really tough. What's to... what's the best Resident Evil game like right now? Is it RE Seven, Eight, one of the remakes? Oh, man, I, you know, honestly, it's probably still the original Resident Evil Two. Okay. But boy, I don't know, man. That Resident Evil Two remake was so fucking good. Like that might be my favorite Resident Evil game right now. And if Resident Evil Four can even come close to that, it's gonna be it's gonna be really special. Have um, they announced when that's coming out? Um. Or it just—it's only a matter of time. Let me see. I'm just checking here. And have you played any of the VR entries? There was a fan-made remaster. Okay. Yes, I have played Resident Evil Seven in VR. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely terrifying. I mean, it was—it was so scary that like I tried to play it after smoking pot once, and I flat out couldn't. <laughs> I could imagine. It was really a fucking scary experience, and. It's that was a different sort of experience where the VR in that game was so good that you could almost like 
like a, like a, a a villain would get down in your face, and you could practically just smell them. I mean, it was so unbelievably intense. I mean, some of the some of the VR in that was that might be the best VR game we've had on PlayStation. Um, there's no release date yet for the fourth one, but I know they're working on it. They said, okay, so IGN reported about three weeks ago that the release date for the fourth remake was going to be sometime in quarter four this year. So you won't have to wait too long. And uh, if you know anything about Resident Evil 4, it's it's a legendary title. It has like, let me just see here real quick. One more thing. It might have the highest review ever on GameCube. Are you saying that Mario Party 4 does not have the highest rating? If you go to Metacritic and you look up <laughs> and you look up Resident Evil 4 on GameCube, it has a 96 out of 100. So that's uh, as a kid say, unfuckwithable. Yeah, and and that's the that's the rating, that's the critics, and the user score was a 9.2 out of 10. So that's, you know, I don't know. That's um, I'd have to find a list of all the, you know, by by game system on here. Oh, here we go. Uh, do they have it? Best of GameCube Legacy. It's the second highest score on GameCube, only behind Metroid Prime for critics. But Metroid Prime has 0.3 lower by the users. So if you want my opinion by averages, Resident Evil 4 is the best GameCube game. So anyway, that's all. That's the end of my talk. And if you're curious... There you go. You, you heard it here first. And by first, I mean 15 years after yeah. the fact. And if you're curious, <laughs> um, Legend of Zelda games are 3, 4, and 5 on GameCube. So with, all, with similarly great scores. So Okay. That's about... Uh, all I've got for Resident Evil, go get it. Try it out. It's pretty good. Nice. I want to hear about Caroline's thing. Yep. She I'm going to head good. downstairs for a minute and help and help these ladies uh, out with the dogs. But and you're going right to like back. this. Oh, I mean, should, should I go first you then go first, while he's Mason. doing this? Because Mason, it's you, books. You Nobody first, cares. And I'll be right back. Yeah, as we all have declared, Mitski does not read. Indeed. Indeed. And this is, as we mentioned at the top of the show, The Book Thief, which did get made into a movie. I have not seen it. Have you heard, read, or seen the series? I have considered watching the movie or reading the book. I have done neither. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I a couple weeks ago, I talked about House of Leaves, and it's this big, complex, winding story, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm done with books. Uh, I lied. <laughs> this is the last one, I promise. So... I finished House of Leaves and I wanted something a little bit easier because The Book Thief is considered like a YA novel, so maybe not as challenging. And someone close to me was like, wow, this is one of my favorite books of all time. And I was like, cool, I'll pick it up. And I actually didn't even read it. That's how good at reading I am. I listened to an audiobook uh, read oh. by Alan Corduner. It was 14 hours long, and it was a very good audiobook. The The reading of it was exceptional, and it's it lent itself in a very storyteller way, because the novel is narrated by death. That's right, the entity that goes around claiming people's souls is, you know, the, the person telling the story, which lends it a very morbid but playful tone, which made it very good for an audiobook setting, so... I had no idea what I was going into with this book, and it is a it's a war story, but in a different aspect. So it takes place in Nazi Germany in World War II, and it follows 
I will say teenage aged uh, main character named Liesel Memminger, who is adopted by a foster father and mother after her family succumbs to not living anymore. And kind of her life growing up in the fictional town of Mulking, Germany. And she makes friends, she learns to read, she gets into mischief, and she steals books. Hence the title, spoiler, spoiler. And it is uh, a little sad, but pretty good overall. It is definitely an easy read. I feel like most people read this when they were in like eighth grade, maybe. Like that's the kind of level it was. But as an audiobook to listen to casually going to and from places, it was pretty good. Good. I would want to talk to someone who read the book and maybe compare if there was something really in the writing that made it better or worse. I but heard. I, I would recommend it. How uh, much mostly. of the or how much of the book is fiction? Or is it mostly fiction, but like historical fiction? It's it's mostly fictional. It's mostly just about because you always hear about World War II stories and it's, oh, the soldiers fighting or the political intrigue or this and that. And it very much tries to paint the life of just a normal girl living in the midst of a war. Like, I mean, for, I'd say, 85% of the book, like, the war doesn't factor in at all. She just lives her life. They're kind of on the poorer side of town. They go to school. They get in with the wrong crowd. They play soccer in the street. Like, it's very much a slice-of-life story. The war really only comes into play near the end when air raids start happening, when Jews start getting marched through the streets. Mm. Their family may or may not be housing a Jew undercover, and that gets a little dicey sometimes. So, overall, it's a... Have you ever watched Inglorious Bastards, Caroline? I haven't. This is like the second time in a row I've brought up this thing. (laughs) Uh, Just picture like the first opening scene of that, where it's like, they're just hanging out. They're just living with the family. Things happen every now and then tangentially related to the war. But for the most part, it's just a story of a young girl's life as she struggles to, you know, find herself. You know, she has best friends and they get into mischief. She has best friends who are trying to give her smooches. Like, it's it's pretty good. And it's, like I said, extremely well-read, clever, on the nose sometimes, slightly melodramatic. But really, it's got some heart. And I like the concept of death as a narrator. So the book thief, the audiobook, 14 hours long, I would say give it a shot. Uh, if you're not vibing with it after like the first two hours, you can probably be like, eh, uh, toss it aside. It takes a while to get going, but, or just listen to podcasts and don't care about audiobooks. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Audiobooks bad. Uh, burn them all. But uh, you can't burn an audiobook. You can. You can burn it onto a CD. <laughs> oh um, my god for reference so uh now that you're back uh alan Cord- corduner the guy who read it um a voice german in bloodborne so now i've brought that up twice in this episode so it's a pretty nice chilling thing and uh i think i said the book is from 2005 by marcus zuzik so uh i've heard the movie isn't great so i'm not gonna watch it uh that's it that's it was pretty all right all right. Pretty all right. 
Well, now that well, Mitz is back, we can get to what we all came here for. Yeah, sure. Okay, so here's the thing. I listened to a podcast episode about J.R. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius, and they mentioned the documentary. Like, they got, they got way into detail on all this on this topic, um, but they also recommend the documentary, and I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is an interesting topic. I'm going to watch the documentary, so I did that as well. J.R. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius is a satirical cult, <laughs> a satirical religious group that uh, got together, I think it was like in the 80s or whatever, so these two friends were kind of like on the on the outside of, you know, of normalcy, you know, like they never really felt like they fit in or anything like that. So they just got together. They and they made this joke pamphlet about about everything that one of those fringe religious groups that are there just to scam people, everything that they would do. Like they have their weird deity. They have all this lore. They uh, do all these things and they have these uh, philosophies. And of course, a doomsday. Like you, everybody needs to have a doomsday. So they put all this together. They made it mm-hmm. into a pamphlet just for fun. And um, they just decided to send it out to some people. And a lot of people caught on to it. And then was the birth of this church called the Church of the Subgenius. Um, and there's a lot to this that I'm sure I'm going to have to like forget about or, or skip over because there's a lot of lore to this thing. But it, it, this, so, I, so the documentary is very good. It kind of goes into the details of how this church was made and the history of it. Um, but it's also one of the rare occasions where the members of this fake church drop their uh, basically alternate personas or whatever. Like, like they've been in character for so many years. But the thing is, is that because it is supposed to be meant as a joke, it's supposed to be satirical. Obviously, a lot of people don't get it. Oh. Like they, they get way too into the church. And then sometimes it can be dangerous for obvious reasons. Um, so it was in this uh, mindset or this idea that some people are actually taking this way too seriously that they decided to drop character and make it into a documentary just so people know this is indeed a joke and is not meant to be taken seriously. In fact, the motto of this church from the very beginning was fuck them if they can't take a joke. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah, fuck that's em. what they say. Yeah. Fuck so, those bitches. Um, <laughs> so the here, like, let's talk about J.R. Bob Dobbs, for example. He is the uh, fault, like, like the fake prophet of this church, this character that they made up. Um, and if you were look, were to look up a picture of J.R. Bob Dobbs, it's it's just like a clip art photo of of a man with a pipe in his mouth. Oh, you're right. He's uh, handsome though. He he looks like something that would that would be from in like Fallout or Bioshock. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the thing is, when they were making these pamphlets, they obviously did not have the money to pay for real art. So they just took, they just were looking through some clip art, and they found this one, and that became their prophet. It's J.R. Bob Dobbs, and then, uh, and he's become like their icon and everything. And so the story is about him being the prophet and the concept of slack and. Slack is not defined 
at all, at, like at any point in this in this church and their or their lore, or whatever, they do not define slack because it's different for everyone. But if you were to kind of figure it out, it's basically the pursuit of not doing anything that you don't feel like doing. Like you don't like n- trying to be lazy, trying not to work as much as you need to, and trying to find that peace of mind uh, in your everyday life. And then there's the conspiracy with a capital C, which is how the pinks, the what? normal people of the world, the the pink boys or whatever, I, some, I can't remember exactly, the pinks, whatever. Uh, they are the people that are trying to steal your slack. They're trying to corrupt you. Whoa. So that, and so that's the conspiracy. Like you have to fight against the pinks. What about your underpants? And then, they try to steal those too? What? I don't know. Why um, are they, why are they the pinks? Sounds kind of like derogatory. It doesn't sound very nice. Oh, this is not a very nice church. Like, if you were to, there are certain points where it does get very dark. Like, this is dark humor, but sometimes, like, in their, um, if you've ever heard of, like, church revivals, it's kind of like a mass, like, or like a get-together of these uh, fringe religious are groups. like, rolling around in the aisles and foaming at the mouth and shit? Um, not Exactly, but you know in these I mean? things that they would call the devivals, like devivals as a spinoff of revivals, um, they will call to death of the pinks, of the normal people, and all that stuff. So, so it, it, there are some people that take it to the extremes, but for the most part, everybody is just in on the joke. Um, and there are what was I talking about? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, um, and and then their doomsday, their doomsday as foretold from the beginning was going to be uh, July 5th, 1998. And back when they made this in like in the 1980s, they had no idea that this church would even exist, let alone have taken on such a form in 1998. So they were like, oh shit, what do we do? Because they're, they just made this story up. Like, like, and, and they're just trying to figure out how can they spin this? Um, well, the, the whole doomsday idea is that um, alien sex goddesses would descend on the earth in their flying saucers and uh, and bring the uh, the members bring the of the snoo snoo the, the sub like and, and will abduct the sub genii so the sub geniuses into their and, and go off and I can't exactly remember the details but that's it the the sex goddesses were coming to get, take them away um, and they were all excited for that. <laughs> This so, sounds very much like Pasifarianism. I, I, yeah, I would think so, yeah. Um, obviously, that did not happen, but they just play it off as a joke, as always. Even schisms, like, they have schisms within the Church of the Subgenius, because everybody needs to have a little bit of competition between their own religion, so they did that. Um, they have all these funny nicknames they give each other. Uh, I think Nick Offerman is a member of the Subgenius church because he was in this documentary too uh, do you guys know who nick offerman yeah is? him and okay. uh, pendulette were in the the documentary yeah yeah so it is just insane and i love it <laughs> any questions <laughs> no i i i'm i'm a big fan of pasifarian pasifarianism wow i can't even say it so what about rastafarianism uh, it's too colorful for me. Oh, okay. But, um, I, I don't like the idea of people actually, like, getting into it, but at the same time, that makes it almost more funny, in a, like you said, dark comedy kind of way. So, yeah, so where, do you recommend watching it, 
where can I watch it? Or would you recommend I just like read a Wikipedia article the, on it? The Wikipedia page is inter- interesting and is very, very long. But the documentary is like an hour and a half long. I You can probably rent it on like YouTube or whatever for like $2. And okay. I actually watched it on Tubi. And you just watch yeah. it for free and you have some of the commercials. But I just watched it there and it was pretty good. Um, it is a good documentary. Uh, it, and some of it can be a little bit... Um, offensive to some viewers uh but the thing is is that that's the whole point of this church is literally fuck them if they can't take a joke and i respect that there you go and i think this was really a wave to like this whole church just brought together a bunch of people that felt like they were on the outskirts of the their communities like they weren't as religious as their you know traditional upbringings and they wanted an escape from that and this is what it came to. It does kind of feel a little bit a lot like what we would get into as anime fans. I have a question. Like get into as in the documentary or just like the church itself? The idea, Like the idea of what this church is trying to do. Like, pe- like people will uh, like take on these characters of how, uh, you know, J.R. Bob Dobbs saved their lives and all that stuff. So it... it uh, with the exception from, you know, being a little <laughs> bit more offensive in how they represent themselves. Um, they there are there's a lot about this church that just is interesting. And I feel like a lot of people would get into and in you're like big otaku energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you personally subscribe to any conspiracy theories, Caroline? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, come on. I'm not. It's a yes, no question. Did well, we land on the moon? You know, I did take a <laughs> I did take a conspiracy class in college, you and did. Okay, at that time, on. I at that time I did kind of like, oh yeah, like what about this? What about that? But then again, I did feel like that class was pretty biased into trying to make se- make it seem like all conspiracies have these um, undeniable truths that oh, like that you should definitely consider. They don't. It, it's just hard to say exactly because these things can get pretty difficult to wrap your mind you like to, to get all the facts straight and everything so i can't say for one way or another that i believe in all conspiracy theories or anything like that well, i didn't ask that i asked if you believed in any i don't know i really don't yeah. it, how I would, many, I how many shooters were on the grassy knoll <laughs> that is difficult to say <laughs> which church is more legitimate the church of the pope of mitsugi or the church of the subgenius the church of the subgenius has a lot more lore i think Oh, so, so I actually this reminded me of something really quick. Your question, Mitz. Uh, a listener asked me on Discord uh, for you, Mitz. Uh, uh, they write, and hopefully they're a paid subscriber, so they can see, hear this question be answered. Um, so, if you are the Pope, correct, Mitz. I am the Pope. Who is giving the Pope directions? What entity is at the top, or are you just? Or is it a un, unsanctioned, ungovernable pope? Uh, the, the the hierarchy and no, no one's higher. Someone actually asked you this question. Yes, I, I can screenshot it for you if you want. Oh no, it's okay. You don't need to. They don't said possibly even a moe entity? Question mark. They were they were very absolutely, absolutely not. That's uh, so that's what I assumed, and I said that there was no no such moe even infiltrating. The, no. uh, the the sacred text, no, but in fact, in fact, I didn't the, know. in fact, the mere uh, the mere suggestion of it is you know a little bit offensive to me, you know. But what I will I'm say, just, I'm I'm reading what they say. 
the Pope does. I do receive divine scripture, but it is from an unknown source. I, I, I presume a higher power of great wisdom and purity. Does that answer your question? Uh, I hope so. Um, so who is this person? The answer is... King of Legend 12, if you are listening, this is for you, my dude. <laughs> so the answer is you don't know who you serve? He just was not going to reveal it to us mere mortals. That's right. He, he is filtering the greatness of the one above, so we are not crushed into dust under the weight of the magnitude of their eminence. Um, have we reached the end of all said topics? Uh, I feel like I, I kind of cut Caroline off. I didn't know if there was anything else. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm trying, I was trying to rack my brain trying to get all the details over this church because there was a lot to it. Um, but I think that was the long and short of it. Honestly, I'm just more interested now in whatever conspiracy theories Caroline believes in. Yeah, she won't say cause, you know, she yeah. wanna, she, she, because she doesn't want to look like a person who lines her windows with tinfoil, but you know. No. Exactly. But that would be, but it's that would also like she puts tinfoil on the inside of her headphones so that mm. our <laughs> our infiltration of audio isn't corrupting her. That would imply that you do uh, crack, that you do uh, methamphetamine though. So do you do, I, do, you do I, methamphetamine? I, no. What is the hardest <laughs> drug you've ever tried, Caroline? I've never had a drug. You've I've never Motrin? tried anything? Motrin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come now. You're going to have to visit. I get high you, off you, of life. I don't need to spend exorbitant amount of money on drugs. Not exorbitant. <laughs> you know, we could go, you can go to a, any number of dispensaries in Colorado and buy enough edibles to get you messed up probably 20 times for less than 20 bucks. So. You see, that doesn't sound appealing to me. Why wouldn't it be? Because I don't want to get messed up. Have you ever seen the back of a $20 bill? Yes. Have you ever seen the back of a $25 bill on weed? How does it differ? There's a guy in the bushes. Does he have a gun? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I don't think Caroline gets that reference, but I think that... Not really. I, I, I think that Mason does. It's, uh, it's, it's business as usual. You yeah. got to drop references yeah. that uh, Caroline doesn't get. That's what it's all about. That's well, why this, we do at this. At some point, well, we, we need to make a conglomeration montage of all the times you guys make references to things that from I half do baked. not understand. Half-baked. Um, I've often thought about like making super cuts of our like shows of like the best lines or comments or whatever. But I, I prefer the this idea of just <laughs> Michigan says something. Caroline's what? <laughs> <laughs> so, I did make a little bit of side a, to side like, hmm, I don't get it. <laughs> I have a PSA. I did make a montage of all the times that Kamichi beat us in headbands oh, yeah, last did, week. Yeah, which was guys. every single time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, PSA, I've um, been going through an, a, little, a, little, a little routine exercise that I go through. We, we got about five minutes. Um, and because, you know, Pancake and I are going to go get married in Iceland. Iceland. What? Oh, you didn't know that? Wowza. That's oh. crazy. No, you didn't say. That's oh. really cool. Well, Iceland is the most expensive place on earth. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of things planned. I'm going to die. I'm going to snorkel the Continental Divide on my birthday. Um, you know, we're going to go to the Ghibli concert in London. Then we're going to go to Stonehenge. Anyway, but I've heard Stonehenge is very overrated. Well, I still want to see it, but I understand it may be. It's probably touristy as shit, but 
I'm probably going to be like buying a funnel cake at fucking Stonehenge because everybody has to. I think you have to like be super far away from it. Like you can't even really go up to it. Mm. Speaking of aliens, Stonehenge. Um, And it's conspiracies. (laughs) But um, PSA, Iceland is the most expensive place on earth. Um, you have no idea how much it costs to simply run a car in Iceland. I about, I about spit like food out of my mouth yesterday when I saw it. So, um, you know, we're talking several hundred dollars a day for a junk ass car in Iceland to rent it. So I'm like, this is fucking crazy. So the PSA is there's a lot of shit laying around your house. That's worth a lot of money that you don't ever use. So I went through my garage the other day, the other, the, like, cause, because of the flood, all the stuff was all disheveled, and I had to reorganize the garage. And I found a TV, a PlayStation, um, a full set of dumbbells up to 25 pounds, um, an old audio video receiver, uh, a busted iPhone, all this shit, you know? And this stuff, I guarantee I'm going to raise over $1,000 off of this straight junk. I already sold um, a glass table, uh, a weight set, and the guy's coming to get the TV, um, at four o'clock and that's 300 bucks. And I just want to encourage everybody one, you know, n- no judging, but don't be a hoarder. And two, there's a lot of stuff in your house. That's worth a lot of money. I promise if you like, if you have a, if you have an old TI 83 calculator that you haven't used in like five years, that fucking thing's worth a hundred bucks. You will see, you will sell it in two minutes. So I do this routinely cause I seem to move a lot, but it's like, if you, if you want to raise up some money uh, and uh, you know un- unencumber yourself in life, you should try. You, you should take a look at things around your house that you don't really need or want or even thought were there, and see what that shit's worth. Because you know um, people will buy anything. You know I sold a rusted those rusted ass dumbbells. They weren't even nice. They were fucking rusted. Guy came, didn't give a fuck. Hundred bucks cash. I just he just took them away. They were straight junk. It's crazy. I don't know how you guys nice. feel feel about all this, but. Um, I encourage people to um, purge and raise some money, and then maybe buy something, buy something brand new that's nice that for your house that you really need. Like you could buy a, you could buy a KitchenAid mixer, you know, with, with four or five hundred bucks. You Gotta could, get a Vitamix smoothie maker, and by could, that I mean yeah. it's a mixer. But you Vitamix buy, is king. You could buy Mason a smoothie, a smoothie maker. <laughs> you know, honestly, I was really close to going to Iceland in 2020. Ah, um, oh, that was yeah. like my planned. Oh, okay. I was between that or Italy that for my like ruined. for my country trip. And actually, I have an itinerary for Iceland that my coworker and friend made. So if you want me to send that to you for any like ideas or inspiration, I'm sure it's too late or I'm sure you don't really care. But I, I could send it because I was like, I don't even know where to start looking. I haven't like gotten into the process, but he had a great time and uh, it looks really cool. Iceland is based and there's tons of good music that came out of there. Speaking that of comes which, out of there, I should say. Do you guys know if it's safe to sell an unreset PS4? I don't I have, have no any idea. Of the, I don't have any of the cables for it and I just don't know what kind of risk I'm putting myself at by selling a PS4 that, that has data on it. You know? Um, <laughs> you should be able Oh, you're saying because you don't have the cables to like I can't plug clean it, it out and purge it? Yeah, I can't. I don't even have the power cable. I just have a PS4. Um, that I, it's I just, probably connected to your credit card then, right? Um, yeah, I mean, they'd have to log in probably, but even a credit card company will just strike things off your credit card if, they, if it's just not you using it. Hmm, that's... I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't know. There may not yeah, be. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but um. I mean, also, if, if, if it's probably worth it to just buy 
the cables or do, if you have any friends in denver mm. that have yeah. a ps4 you could borrow their cables plug it in really do like a factory reset and just return it also never throw out an iphone um i had my iphone my busted iphone from like five years ago it's an iphone 10 um and it's got a shattered screen it won't turn on and i and i, I punch all this all this detail into ebay i'm like iPhone 10, iPhone 10 doesn't have doesn't have the accessories, fucked up screen. It's for parts only. eBay goes, this will sell for two hundred dollars. And I sold my last broken iPhone for life for about that much. It's fucking nuts. People will buy a busted iPhone that won't even turn on for two hundred dollars. They never throw out a broken iPhone. Okay. Anybody else have anything they want to like preach about or? poke at caroline you know like uh caroline's like dancing before like the moon people and you know <laughs> no, no enjoy your uh vinland saga adventure whenever that comes around i don't know what that means but i appreciate you well you're going to iceland so oh yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh and uh, the airbnb is by a lava field it's pretty neat what that's cool yeah as long as it doesn't flow through the house while we're sleeping yeah that's not good do they, right, have vol- do they have volcano insurance? <laughs> I don't know, probably. I want, I'm curious. <laughs> Maybe he just only goes to places that have big spa culture. Oh, I love, I, want, I just want to be naked all the time. Yeah. I know, I know. Me too, you're just like me, for yeah. real. I'm just kidding. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> you punk asses, get the fuck out of here. Bye. Bye.